are tuned in to the Way of Healing podcast, where we inspire humans to connect more deeply to their experience of life. My name is OJ. My name is Casey. We are connecting with practitioners to talk about the potential of the innate healing powers within. Today we have Marcia Lopez with Women's True Healing Center, and we are down in Redondo, Mm -hmm. and uh, very excited to have her. She does lots of things. She's going to tell us about some of them today. Yes. Um, so Marcia, how long have you been working with women and healing? Uh, I started specializing with women in 2010 and with healing work professionally, right? <laughs> so I started doing that professionally back in 2005. So going on 14 years of healing work. Very cool. Yeah. What is it exactly that you do or one of the things that you do? What do you do? Or what do you focus on at your center? Well, with Women's True Healing, we focus on holistic reproductive wellness, holistic female reproductive wellness. So we address any issue that has to deal with any female reproductive parts. So ovaries, uh, uterus, cervix, external, you know, vagina, the vulva. Um, We deal with endocrine issues. We address basically any type of dysfunction, irregular periods, and unexplained infertility, explained infertility as well, PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, things like that. We also specialize in sexual trauma recovery. And what we're doing is we're using ancient, time-honored, long-standing folk remedies of female reproductive care that are centered around postpartum healing. So worldwide, globally, and ancestrally, Postpartum healing was a staple for human health, and postpartum healing really involved uterine massage, hip binding, steaming or smoking, rest periods, specialized foods, etc. So with all the training that I have had, I'm basically utilizing these techniques that we've used for postpartum health and applying them in anything along the spectrum of female reproductive wellness. We are also using the shamanic perspectives and the spiritual perspectives to address transgender issues. If it's male to female transgender issues, we're using shamanic and spiritual sessions to kind of help them embody themselves in their new position. And if we're dealing with female to male transgender, we are using research to kind of check in if they're needing any help, any support with herbs and supplements and things like that, or if they're needing to kind of uh, need support in when they're transitioning and using their own medications, etc. Or if they're not using medication, but they're having issues with bleeding or with hormones, etc. Very cool. Yeah. In terms of postpartum, is there a typical recovery period? I know in, in the United States, Women are only given about three months or so of postpartum, paid postpartum to recover and before they get back oh, to work. No, 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 that is a that is a lie. <laughs> we wish, we wish, we wish. Not really. I think there are some companies, like let's say Google, that might be offering that for women. Uh, but no, I mean a lot of times I think when it comes to women's maternity leave and postpartum leave, they're having to do things like get on disability, use their vacation time things like that, or go back to work within two weeks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's completely terrible. Meanwhile, in Sweden, fathers have, I think fathers and mothers combined have, a what, a year? I each, think a year. Something, something like that. And yep. They usually take half-half, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Marcy, I wanted to talk a little bit to you about the nature of your healing work and... Some of the sourcing, some of the work that you do, I imagine you guide clients through maybe something of a spiritual journey. Maybe it's an invitation for them to connect to something beyond themselves. Is that a component of your work? I should ask you that first. And then how important to you in your work is connecting to a spiritual aspect, if that is, or or energetic or ancestral or something other than what we can see and touch and feel. Awesome. All of it. Totally. The foundation of the work is spiritual. It's shamanic in nature. There's multiple ways that I'm looking at this. So from the Mayan perspective, 
what Don Elijo Panti talked about in that book, Sastun, what the Mayans said about the uterus was that the uterus was the cosmic portal into this earth. So the uterus is like this stargate into the earthly dimension, right? And when we're looking at Tantra and yoga, the uterus is also going to be that cosmic portal that relates to darkness and relates to the center of the galaxy that relates to the dark of galaxy because it is from the darkness that we receive the light in a way. And when we germinate seeds, we've been talking about germinating seeds, the seeds are planted in the earth in the darkness of the mm-hmm. womb. So the, the seed germinates. And there, there are videos of when conception happens that there's a spark of light. So we're conceived in the darkness. So the uterus, to me, the energy of the womb aligns with the energy of the galaxy, with the, en- with the center of the Milky Way, which is a black hole. So that's, that's far out for sure. But the uterus has that resonance in the way that our heart has the resonance with the earth, with the magnetic resonance of the planet. There's a certain number of hertz or a field and the heart has that same resonance. I do feel that the uterus and perhaps the prostate have that same resonance. The prostate, I see it more as a toroidal field. If you've seen images of a toroidal toroidal field, it's like a donut. Mm -hmm. So I think that the prostate resonates on that level, but the uterus for sure is going to resonate with the center of the galaxy. And that's my logo. My logo is an um, upside down triangle with a bindi dot. And that signifies the fertilized womb, which is the center of the Sri Yantra. Uh, And the Sri Yantras are a very feminine Yantra symbol that uh, corresponds to different female deities. And I won't go into that because I'm definitely not an expert, but that comes from the Shruvidya tradition. So my my logo is an upside down triangle with the bindi dot in floating above three lines that represent hyperbolic space. So those lines actually represent infinity. And basically it's the fertilized womb amongst infinite possibilities because that's what we are essentially, but there's more to this. So definitely it's shamanic and spiritual in nature. And it's very, very far out and as far as how I see the energy of the uterus. But the truth of the matter is, is that in being conceived and gestating in the womb, we're receiving our mother's blood. And so that blood is made from the food she eats the water she drinks, the air she breathes. But that blood came from her mother, came from her grandmother, from her grandmother, her grandmother, her grandmother. And the blood that is on this planet, the human blood that is on this planet is the same blood that's been here from the beginning. And so what we're receiving in utero, and and this isn't unique to me, this is information that's come from Dr. Bruce Lipton, the neuroscientist, um, Anna Verwall, she's a really amazing woman who is pioneering in pre and perinatal. So Anna Verwall, who's pioneering in pre and perinatal psychology, they talk about uh, consciousness and how it, it, it begins, but it begins through the blood. And so the blood is really the carrier of our ancestral wisdom, of our cosmic wisdom, because it is the food. We're getting plant wisdom, animal wisdom, star wisdom, water wisdom, and air wisdom. And so it's in our blood. And that is essentially is part of it. And a lot of these things were made uh, evident to me through my own spiritual journeys with plant medicine. I have a deep reverence for the Virgin Mary, the Virgin of Guadalupe in Mexican tradition, and how she's actually, in reality, Tonatzin. And Tonatzin is an Aztec goddess of creation, but she's also called the star goddess, right? So she is also part of like luminous space, and she's also part of earthly matter. But what happened in one of my initiations was that I was shown how deeply my blood was made of the earth. And so when we're starting to do this womb healing work, when people are going back to the womb, the blood that we have running through our veins is made of the earth. We are intricately tied with this planet. And 
intricately tied to our ancestors because it's, it is the blood of our ancestors as well. Is there a specific reason why you chose to, to work with postpartum in, in that realm? Well, I chose to work with womb healing. And one of the reasons why I chose to work with womb healing is because of my own journey with healing. So it's my whole life story, right? That got me to this point. So for me, it was essentially my early childhood trauma, which was early childhood sexual abuse, which created this catalyst, this trajectory into understanding the depths of human nature and to really question what is needed and what is necessary in order to heal as an individual and as part of a a human collective, right? So it was my journey through all of that my entire life, like what happened because of my early trauma, essentially, you know, uh, spiraled into so many things, but there were elements of divine intervention where at an early age, I came across books on yoga and herbalism and massage and Tai Chi and all kinds of things and meditation. And this was like at the age of 11. So for whatever reason, universe kind of like slipped that one right in. And that helped. That was an anchor for me as I traversed like just the many colors of, you know, trauma and how it showed up in my adolescence, how it showed up in my early adulthood that trauma really colored everything, you know, colored my relationships with myself, with other people, my sexual relationships as well. And what happened was that, you know, I came to a point where I had to have surgery to remove a cervical growth. I ended up being diagnosed with HPV, cervical dysplasia. I had to have a biopsy. And that created like this fear and understanding that what was happening to me had an energetic causation that I was not completely recovered from my trauma. And so I needed to recover from it in some way or another because I, you know, my, my family history, there was hysterectomies and there was ovarian cancer and all kinds of things. And I had an aunt that had died of cancer and it was just like this realization and and kind of like this fear, like, Oh my God, am I going to die of cancer? I haven't even had children yet. And Really, it was an unfounded fear because what I have come to find out now is that with HPV, it's it's just like having a cold, but there's not enough information around that either. So it was my journey in healing from all of that, in making sure I wasn't going to have these type of gynecological problems that seem to be normal, you know, that seem, oh, like that's normal, you know, uh, needing a biopsy or women having leap procedures or you having a growth and having a surgical procedure to remove it or having yeast infections or having BV. And it's like, oh, this normalcy that I thought was, you know, was part of the plight of being a woman. You know, it's like when I've had my first yeast infection, I, I honestly felt like, oh, I'm a woman now because now I get to go by Monistat <laughs> at CVS. And I was, you know, sister, it was like almost the same feeling as buying my first box of condoms. I was like, now I get to my monostat. I have become a woman because of my yeast infection. And like, (laughs) you get to this point. I got to this point that I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done with the story. I need to understand it. And at that point, I had already studied with the Arvigo Institute. I had come across a book called Sastoon which was about um, the story of uh, Dr. Rosita Arvigo, who founded the Institute. And she went to Belize to study with uh, Don Eligio Panti, who has now passed, but he was uh, a last uh, remaining shaman of Belize, of the Quiche Mayan tribe. And he was called a Jimen. His story is super badass. I mean, it's like his father used to turn into a jaguar, but he was not a nice person. Mm. So he was an evil shaman mm-hmm. and then Don Indigo was like no I have to be a good shaman or whatever but he was actually a midwife as well and there's controversy around the Arvigo Institute because he taught Rosita all of 
what he knew. She also learned from this other midwife named Hortense. And uh, they basically were people of color. Well, Don Indio Pante was Quiche Mayan. And I think Hortense uh, may have been mixed. Uh, um, Garifunas are the people out there, you know, because there's a lot of, um, uh, also, there's a lot of mixing because of uh, the slave trade and etc. So Rosita was actually supposed to be giving this information back to the Mayan people of Belize. And there's a lot of controversy as to whether or not that has happened. We're not seeing any signs of that have, having happened. But what she ended up doing is uh, she co-opted the information that they gave her, combined it with her training in napropathic medicine, and opened up an institute and started teaching. Before you go further, uh, can you tell us what is napropathic medicine? Napropathic medicine is a combination of naturopathy and chiropractic medicine. And there's only one school that's that teaches it, and it's in Chicago. And you're from Chicago, right? Very cool. Yeah, no, you're from New Jersey. Right. Yeah, right. you yeah. live in Chicago. Um, so, you know, she kind of co-opted it and made an institute and she trains a lot of people. And it, you know, she there, it's called the Arvigo Techniques of Mind Abdominal Therapy. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. There's, you know, it's mostly all white women on the board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. But I, that's where I got my first introduction into uterine massage and into yoni mm-hmm. steaming, vaginal steaming. That was my first introduction, and I already had a background in nutrition and things like that. So I basically combined the uterine massage, the yoni steaming, my background in tantra, in yoga, in meditation, and breath work, and in in nutrition. And I put myself on an alkaline diet, and I did all of these things. And then in three months, I had my follow up, and the doctor was like, "I don't know what you've been doing. We don't even show signs of you having had that first surgery, the DNC." Everything looks great. Whatever you're doing, keep keep it up. And I was like, okay, this is it. Because this that was truly it. Because in order for me to actually get to that point, I had to excavate my trauma. You know, I had to really look at it, how it had seeded itself in my cells, all of that. And when I came out of that, out of that multiple dark nights of the soul that I had to have, I realized I'm like, that I want to be the hand at the light at the end of the tunnel, helping people cross over because healing the way of healing, right? The podcast, the (laughs) way of healing is a treacherous journey. Sometimes like it's not for the faint of heart. It is a warrior path. And I realized that on my own. And I know it's not easy for people because if it was, we would all be healed. So, you know, the way of healing taught me that and I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my work. That's how we got here. Beautiful. I'm a little bit curious of what it might be like to have a session with you. Like if we come to women's true healing and, and say I'm somebody, I'm curious, right? You've talked about all of the maladies that women come in with, and mm-hmm. all of, you know the the diagnoses and the problems, and I'm also wondering like. What if I'm a woman who hasn't started her her journey of motherhood, but wants to and wants to make sure that things are great? Like, if can I come and see you if I don't have a diagnosis of having, you know, cystic, you know, cysts or fibroids or a problem or like that feels to me also like one of the rites of passage of women in this time and age is, is knowing their own bodies. And maybe I'm curious, like, is, you know, is that a service that you also see has value? Most definitely. Most definitely. And this is something that needs to be said louder and uh, more often for people. If anybody is considering, you know, male, female, or anywhere in between, if you at any point are considering wanting to have kids, you need to take care of your uh, your reproductive health completely. So even if you don't have a partner, even if the possibility will be that you don't have kids, but if you have an inclination that you might one day want to have children, then you should start working on your reproductive health now and ensuring the vitality of your fertility. So if it was a situation like that, basically there would be two sessions that you would do. Uh, One would be the holistic reproductive consultation. It's an hour long and we would go through a thorough intake of your digestive and reproductive health history. And we would look at your menstrual cycle and see how it fits in a biodynamic model. So the way I look at a menstrual cycle is basically the way I look at health is it fits flowing within the cycles that we have the seasons, day and night, the lunar cycle. 
So uh, we're looking to see how your menstrual cycle fits within the lunar cycle, which his- historically, anthropologically has been the model that women have uh, menstruated with, has been the lunar cycle. So we would look to see how well your menstrual cycle fits within that. If you can tell the signs of ovulation, we'll look to see what needs to be done in order to have your menstrual cycle fit within you know, the biodynamic models. And we'll look to see if there's anything that needs to be filled in with supplements or with diet or with, or with new emotions. You know, sometimes there's a missing emotion in your life that is like vitamins, or there might be too much of a certain emotion. So we're going to look at things very comprehensively in the holistic intake. And that gives us a template to create a protocol, a three or six month protocol for you. And then the other service that you can do is the massage and the steam. So what the massage allows me to do is to check the placement of your uterus. And this is all external. And so the massage uh, comes from the Arvigo training, but it's also intertwined with cranial sacral therapy, uh, meridian, shiatsu, and then just a variety of other different abdominal therapies that I've trained in. Shinitsang, uh, Hawaiian Lomi Lomi abdominal perspectives, and then also just everything that has to do with meridians and acupressure points and Ayurvedic marma points. So we would look to see how the position of the uterus is externally above the pubic bone between the pelvis, making sure that the uterus is centered. Having the uterus centered allows for optimal circulation of blood vessels and veins, as well as lymphatic circulation and optimal nerve relay. And then we're also going to be looking at the digestive organs and seeing how much tension or pressure they're exerting on the reproductive organs and checking to see if we can release some of that. And then what happens when we're doing that is that we're able to see how the central nervous system is what kind of information or what kind of relationship the central nervous system is having with the fascia of the abdomen as well. So that gives you some insight. And then you also learn how to self-massage yourself. And then we can add a vaginal steam to that session which is one of the most amazing things that anybody can do in the world. Like vaginal steaming, this is a tagline that we have. It won't cure everything, but it will change your life. So vaginal steaming is pretty awesome. So you get to have this ancient remedy that's been done all over the world. And this just really allows yourself to give yourself some time to take care of your pelvic floor, take care of your vagina, your vulva, your cervix. And that would essentially wrap up the session, the initial sessions. Uh, But that would give you a good enough template to take care of your body and to preserve your fertility and to understand your menstrual cycle. Very cool. Very helpful. It's like something that so many women, I can remember speaking to a woman, she was in her mid thirties and I was ovulating at the time and I was having pains and I expressed that to her and she said, my God, you know, when you ovulate, how do you know when you ovulate? And I thought to myself, this is an Ivy League educated woman with a master's degree working in publishing. Like, how does she not know? Right. But this, this knowing of our own bodies is something that so many of us are without. So that sounds like a really delicious service. It's Um, an amazing. Not only for people who are in need are already, have already reached the point of having problems that have manifested physically, but just to know yourself. Yeah. To get to know yourself better. Very cool. It's, I just want to say this. It's a delicious service, yes, but it should also be a staple of family care. We should be growing up knowing how to do this, not just for girls, but for also boys. In Peru, there was an article I had read, and it talked about the ancient Incas and their diet. The diet for children was actually a fertility diet because, I mean, fertility is everything for humans, fertile earth fertile people, you know, you want an abundance. And so for, we're looking at just uh, the Incas here, but I'd imagine that worldwide fertility was something that people focused on, you know, and ensuring that their offspring were healthy and their fertility um, started from the beginning. Very cool. Yeah. Are there any uh, components of the fertility diet that you can remember from Incan culture? Well, um, it's it that's kind of uh, the same worldwide. Essentially, you want a lot of high fats, a lot of, you know, I guess what would be called, I don't know, what is it, the guy Price, but a homesteading diet, a lot of high fats, uh, clean meats, a lot of vegetables and fruits and things like that. But honestly, it really is a wholesome diet, but... 
fat is a big part of it in mm-hmm. it, you know, eggs and meat and protein, protein. Yeah. And I know this is not going to be good for the vegans out there. You know, you can get pregnant being a vegan and you can have a healthy pregnancy. Uh, and you know, we're talking old school, you know, veganism really is uh, a reaction to industrialization and to industrial diets. And it's a necessary reaction, but ancestrally, you know, we all lived we all really understood the mechanisms of death and we understood that things died in order for us to be sustained and that included animals. And we did use animals to sustain us and to care for us. And we did have a relationship of having reverence for them and loving them and caring for them. So ancestrally speaking, yeah, we probably ate a lot more meat than than we would like to admit. So some vegetarians and vegans and not that what you're doing is wrong. It's just we're talking about anthropology right now. So <laughs> yeah. just to circle back to what you had mentioned about your own trauma with um, sexual abuse, how many of the women that you've seen have energetically how much of what they're going through or how often has it been a result of something that had happened to them in their past? Almost always. Almost always. So a lot of this work is actually, uh, sometimes we see uh, reproductive issues that are hormonal, and they have a lot to do with incidences of trauma. Not that they were sexual abuse trauma, but trauma as reflected in ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences, if you're familiar with that. Um, So maybe there was uh, high dysfunction in the family, maybe there was alcoholism with, with parents or depression. Maybe there was a divorce, things like that, or or death in the family that affected their well-being or their sense of safety. And basically what that does is induce this state of fight or flight, of chronic fight or flight, which is either low grade, middle grade, or high grade. And it creates a situation where more cortisol and adrenaline is being pumped through the body and it depletes the body's ability to produce optimal hormonal uh, reproductive hormones. So... It's rare for me to, well, women who come through here, the majority of them may have had some some type of sexual trauma, but mostly, more often than not, there's some kind of trauma that has created a foundation for the dysfunction. What's the favorite part about what you do? The favorite part about what I do is the feedback. I think like the feedback from uh, clients uh, who have just, and just the thank you or you created the shift in my life, like I'm more in tune with my body, I feel stronger, or the many times that I get, oh, I'm pregnant now, or the pictures of the babies that I get sent through emails, things like that. But, you know, I think the favorite part is actually having my clients thank me. It's actually being able to, like, create an impact in their lives. Very cool. Do you have a most memorable experience with a client or with a set of clients or... Something along those lines. Gosh, you know, I mean, OJ, I've been doing this since like 2010, you know, so (laughs) there's been a lot of memorable experiences with them. I think, honestly, you know, we were talking about the way of healing and we were also talking about the way of the healer, right? And, you know, being a healer in this time right now is, is, is still a challenge. And there have been times, you know, because of my trauma and it's also like, it's, Uh, essentially complex trauma that I've come from. Uh, I've had my own interpersonal challenges while I've been doing this work. And when it has come to my work and with my clients, that has been one of the most purest relationships I've ever had is with me, my work, and my clients. And they have definitely been like a, a breath of fresh air, a guiding light for me when everything else is just kind of is what it is. And I come to my work, you know, with an open heart and with this willingness and wanting to help people and their feedback and just their presence in my life has, has definitely been what has sustained me through this work. So yeah, my clients have been really, really great. It's beautiful. Thank you. I think as a healer, that's why we do things. And we talked about this a little earlier off air, but uh, we're doing it with the intention of helping people and helping as many people as we can through whatever way we can, right? We, we do, we have our modalities that we specialize in, but as a healer, you, you really go out and you help people any way you see fit, any way you can, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, however you can, you, you want to put yourself out there and help as many people as you can. 
Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that leads to the healer needing healing themselves. And part of what we're doing with this podcast, of course, is, is trying to create community for healers like ourselves. So we know that we exist and we're not so separate and that everyone is connected. And there are modalities and people out there for our clients that can help them. And, and sometimes we can't do everything for our clients. And so a big intention of this podcast is letting people know like what else is out there in case their clients are going through something and we have no idea what to do with them. We're creating a, a resource for them to look into where they can possibly send their clients to for help. Someone that may be able to take care of them or take care of the healer themselves that may be going through things that they haven't been able to figure out themselves. Oh my gosh, definitely. Definitely. I, I wouldn't be able to do this work without a network. And even when I have trained other practitioners, part of the training is for them to write a list of at least 10 people they can refer out to. Hmm. Because this there's no way. There's no way we can cover all aspects of an individual's healing. And I think it's it's hubris to, to think that we could, you know, I, I definitely don't want to be the end all be all for anybody. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's not fun for me. And it's uh, having people depend on me so much is not empowering and it's not healing. So, yeah, I mean, you, you must have a referral network. I want to talk to you a little bit about the process of opening up your own center, because I think that's important for healers out there to know that there is growth in our field. You don't have to be stuck in a chiropractic office or a PT's office. There's options out there for you to grow. And I know you've had an amazing journey and growth being in this industry for so long. So what was it like to finally open up your own center? Oh my God. <laughs> and where were you before you had your own space, which is beautiful, I might add. It smells great. It feels great. It looks great. It's awesome. stunning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, it was slightly traumatic opening up this. <laughs> if I need to be honest, and I do. Where was I before? I was in Venice uh, and I was in this, uh, you know, a lot of people actually from the West Side will rent that space. It's the Lincoln Commonwealth Building and it's across the street from Whole Foods. Sure. I know that space. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know it. And I was there for a long, long time. And actually, I I would have uh, multiple locations at a certain point. I was in Venice. Venice was always my, my primary and then I had a spot in Los Feliz at Golden Soul Yoga. And then I had a spot uh, in Koreatown at a certain point. Uh, so there was one, at one point I was like seeing clients, you know, one part of the city and the other. And then at one point I was seeing, you know, clients in three locations just so I could like have people have access to me. You know, granted, you know, I have to say this, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I, I'm in a relationship and I, and I had relationships throughout all of that. But I don't have kids. So it was a lot easy, a lot easier for me to do that, you know. So if there's any healers out there and they have kids and they're like, oh, I can't do this. You know, it's like you're raising the future. You're, you know, you'll figure you'll find your own way. And not that that way that I was doing is a good way. It was very, it was crazy. It was, you know, it's all over the place. But I was in Venice and then um, one of the, the my other suite mate um, decided to start living in a suite. And then they, he towed my client's car and it was like a whole hoopla and I was like I gotta go and I had just <laughs> recently moved back to Torrance and I was telling you um how my family had been here um, we moved uh to the South Bay after the LA riots so we were in the South Bay for a long time and I had just recently moved back and I just thought you know what why don't I just move my practice closer to home that the time is now and I found this spot and it was very very inexpensive and I was just going to get a one room but then they showed me the, this bigger center with the three rooms. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go for it because it was so inexpensive per square foot. And I was like, here's my leap of faith. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I just kept thinking about, was it Ray Bradbury's quote? You know, just jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. Right? Like, okay, I, I wasn't making that up. Okay, so they don't tell you that you're hurling to your death <laughs> as, you, as you jump on the cliff. Get those wings. Get up, get and the feathers are flying out of your hands. And like the sticks that you need to make the wings with are breaking. And you're just like, oh my God, my demise is imminent. Yeah. <laughs> 
My God. It was real interesting. In, in the beginning, I kind of did think I was going to go bankrupt in the beginning. Uh, and actually, I'm kind of still in the beginning. I've kind of basically I've, I've come out of the beginning stage uh, just just maybe like two days ago. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of like this. It was uh, very fearful. I took a leap of faith on my own. You were talking about being a healer. It's like... You know, I still didn't really have that 100% support of my family. My family still doesn't really know what I do. Uh, the partner I had at the time was just negligent and <laughs> just not even on board with this at all. Mm-hmm. And, and and for that, I'm thankful for it because, you know, I built this on my own. And But yeah, it was, it was really difficult. I was hesitant, you know, I don't know if the, this, this is just me, but I was hesitant to do a GoFundMe because I really felt like, okay, I'm going to ask people to give me money so I can make money. You know, it's like how much give back could I really realistically do with a GoFundMe? And, and I really, you know, wanted to have the center be a model of profit. I didn't want it to be a nonprofit because, uh, I, what well, I could, I didn't have the mind, the bandwidth to go through that, the whole paperwork. And I really wanted this to be a model and, have holistic, you know, being a holistic practitioner, be actually a career that younger people can aspire to. So I had a lot of, of vision when I did this. And I opened up my center uh, with community venture loans. One was Opportunity Fund, which I'm really thankful for. And one was Pacific Community Ventures, which I'm really thankful for. But what that required of me was for me to get all of my financial ducks in a row and clear and presentable and and to create a business plan, which is not what massage therapists do, right? Or herbalists, like, you know, we're not taught to do that. So I had a crash course in in business in creating the center. And it was basically do or die. You know, it's either you're going to do it or or it's not going to happen. And it was really funny. There was, it's not really funny. It's really funny now. It wasn't really funny then, but it was like I got uh, one loan went through the morning before I signed the lease, you know, so it was like, wow. it's either going to happen or it's not. And then, you know, there's always a lull when you change locations, you may lose some clients, things like that. And then renovation had to happen. So I was still seeing clients while the center was being renovated. And I was working so hard, you know, to really create this, to really create the space. The, it, it's all been very intentional from the color of paint that I used, from the artwork. You know, I wanted it to be just strictly female artists that I had up on the walls, uh, from the ambiance of, you know, I wanted it to be healing the moment people walk through the door, you mm-hmm. know, because I wanted the sessions to start the moment people found it. And so there was a lot of thought involved in creating just the look of, of what it, you know, and creating the feel. But there were points that I didn't know if I was going to be able to make rent. And those were really interesting points because, you know, I was already, you know, hurling to my demise, building my, my wings. And, and I, I would just want, I remember one time being at my desk and I just kind of like gave up. I was like, all right, God, if you want this to happen, you make this happen. Cause I'm, I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of tired of being in the fetal position underneath my desk on the off days, you know, and that day was really, that was really funny because the next day uh, I had all these clients call me like four clients called me and they booked that day. And then I had people call me that day and booked like filled up like the next two days. And I was able to pay my rent and had money left over to do this sweat lodge women's retreat that I wanted to do. And I'm just like, okay, 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 God. We're, we're in this, we're in this. So it's been like that. So uh, it's not for the faint of heart. For those of you <laughs> wanting to open up your your own center, uh, you got to really, really, really want it. And you got to really, really believe in the work that you're doing. Because, uh, or you got to have a lot of money. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> or access to like, to venture capital that isn't going to dictate what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool story. <laughs> yeah, fun. Um, I'm curious to know, like, where do some of your clients come from? I imagine they come from all walks of life, but for a lot of people, they have exposure to going to a doctor, 
receiving a diagnosis, going to a fertility center, and it sort of stays in that end of things. So where do some of the women that come to you come from? Well, mostly they come from uh, from networking, from all the years that I've been doing body work. Uh, just, I get a lot of referrals and I'm so thankful for that. I get referrals from doulas, from acupuncturists, from colon hydrotherapists, but that also goes back to me referring to other people because I know I can't do this work by myself. And so a lot of this was premeditated. I knew way back that I knew going into this work that I had a big vision for what I wanted to do. So I was making sure I was meeting people and learning from other people. And so I have that network. So the network is one thing. Yelp has been really good. Uh, and Yelp is, is cool in the sense that it keeps you honest. Those reviews you're not paying for them. People are doing them on their own, from their own volition. So Yelp has been really great. And then people uh, from online, like they're searching for different ways and they'll find me. You know, you have to make it a point of putting yourself out there so that I have videos out and I have, uh, you know, my face and my voice are on different links and things like that. So they found me like that. And, and recently what's been coming, what's been picking up is that um, people's husbands and boyfriends have been finding me and booking these appointments for their partners. Very cool. Yeah, so that's been really amazing. Very mm -hmm. cool. What's your vision for all this? Because we know we're in this tiny corner or this huge corner, which is LA, and there's a lot of people here and there's a lot of access to things similar to this, but what's your vision as far as growing this in a way where it becomes more accessible to people? Do you have a, a network? Is there a certain type of practitioner that people can look up that does stuff similar to you if they can't get to this to, to LA, what does that look like? I don't know if there's anybody out there doing similar work that I am. I mean, there's people that are doing the mind abdominal therapy work and there's people that are midwives and there's people that are doulas. And maybe there are people that are doing, you know, abdominal massage and uterine massage. I'm not sure if they're combining it shamanically or if they're doing the trauma recovery uh, portion of it. I'm definitely uh, kind of like a quilt. You know, I've patchworked a lot of different things together to offer what I'm offering. And I do want to have on my website a directory of people uh, in all parts of uh, the country that people can have access to this, because that's one of the most heartbreaking things is the fact that this work is not accessible, that, that, that people don't know about it or don't know how to have access to it. So my vision for this is for this to the information and the knowledge to be accessible and for the knowledge to be family-based so that People are creating their families with the awareness of this work and, and able to apply this work to their own family members. Uh, so that's a big step, you know, because if we want young women or young men to understand their reproductive wellness, it actually really requires their fam their parents to have understanding of their reproductive wellness. Uh, so my vision for this work is actually that we're moving into that, you know, the future is moving into a different way of living, of having families, and that families are the foundation for any kind of political strategies, any kind of political reform, how we're moving forward globally is that we're family-centered and not industrialized-centered. Uh, so it's a big vision, and there's a lot more of people like me out there in this world and we are connected. And I think basically it's just creating more of this, but within the families. So that means families really need a lot of education right now and a lot of access to this information. Health. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy families, healthy world. Yeah. That's beautiful. Cool. Pause. What else are we getting into? Is there anything else that we missed that you want to talk about? Yeah. I wanted to ask you that also. Is there like a no-go subject? I was going to ask you about family, your own family <clears throat> stuff, and I realized I hadn't asked. Oh, if it was a no-go? That was an okay thing. Oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. <clears throat> so that, that sometimes gets a little hard for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's okay. No, I mean, you even, you, you, you ended up talking about, like, I don't have children. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Oh, we could talk. I mean, I do want children. <laughs> but let me see. What, what can we address? You know, and I, I kind of trust you both. If you both are feeling a question that you want to ask me, if you feel like you want to ask me about family, you can definitely ask me in any way that you want. I mean, I think also is just um, maybe addressing like the politics and just how 
Well, I think we have addressed it a little bit, bit. unless you guys feel like you want to address it more. But if you feel like you're called to discuss anything, Mm -hmm. I'm open. Definitely. Um, Yeah. And anything that, you know, we talk about that you decide you don't want. One of the things that I would love to see is this education getting into schools. Holy cannoli. I mean, what did I learn? I learned about STDs and condoms on bananas. That was the extent of my sex education. What the? I didn't know anything about it, you know, and it wasn't passed down. But did your teachers know? They probably didn't even know. They probably didn't know either. They probably didn't even know. And it's, it's not, it's not fair. It isn't fair. How do we get this information into schools? Okay, here, doesn't need to be the responsibility of schools. It needs to be the responsibility. It needs to be the responsibility of parents, of family, because we want, you know, because we say that, but then that's us giving governance of ourselves to an entity, to a different structure. When this, when that governance, that sovereignty needs to begin with the family. It's not just for girls, it's for boys too. It's like, do boys understand their prostate health? And I wish I, I was at a place that I can that I had could open this up to men. It it became closed to men because of real reasons, you know. It was like a lot of situations that happened when I was working with men that were just completely inappropriate and just completely exhaustive and just completely unnecessary. So <laughs> So we said no to that, but prostate health, testicular health, you know, penile health, all of that is so important as well. But who better to teach you that than your own parents, right? But how can they know that if we're not teaching the parents? So should this information be in schools? Yes, but not before it should be in the families, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's the dawn of an era of, you know, of of a new consciousness of not being afraid to talk about the things that matter to me. Because if I don't know about my mother's reproductive health and my grandmother's reproductive health or my father's or my uncle's or whoever, I can't know about my own body very effectively. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it's like I'm starting from ground zero. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I have the information from my family, from my heritage, Mm -hmm. then I'm much more informed right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's actually, you know, it's us seeing how did our parents take care of their sexual health? How did our mothers take care of their sexual health? How did our fathers take care of their sexual health? How was our mother taken care of postpartum? You know, it's us looking at those stories and it's people who are parents already, you know, oh, geez, a parent. Uh, so, you know, being a parent requires great, great responsibility. And I think that is something that we as Americans deviate from our responsibility to the future. And as parents, you know, we really, I'm not a parent, but I'm an individual that is an aunt and I want to have kids at a certain point. And what we have available to us, this expansion of consciousness, right? All of us have expanded our consciousness and we raised our kundalini and we've done, you know, heliotropic breath work or whatever. Everybody did ayahuasca already. Everybody did mushrooms. They do peyote. It's like, so now, so now you're good. Now you expanded. <laughs> and here's your, your expansion. So that requires a lot of responsibility you know, to how we are showing up as adults in this world, you know, and we say it takes a village. So even those of us who don't have kids, you're part of that village. So how are you showing up as an adult? What model of adulthood are you giving off to the future? Right. And that could be certain stigmas, whether it's culturally or religiously, where Parents don't feel like, don't feel comfortable talking about these things with their kids and that needs to change. Oh yeah. And at least, you know, I think what the coolest thing about America is that (laughs) we're this melting pot, right? Uh, Cultures. And there's this soup that has been created where, where we're growing up and some of us are first generation uh, some of us are, are just having access to information about the feminist movement or civil rights movement or the understanding of how much racism is playing into our health. 
So what is happening now is that we actually have this responsibility as being, you know, free thinkers in the United States on how we are going to be able to create our families, how we're showing up in our communities, how we're showing up for each other. Because most of our families, our parents who are, who immigrated here were escaping these, you know, regimes that were keeping them from financial success, that were keeping them from free, from free thought. And so now we're here. And so what, you know, what do we do with the fact that we're living on stolen land? What, what do we do with the fact that everything that we get to enjoy was built, you know, slavery and all these things, you know? So we, we have a huge responsibility at this time, at, you know, this awakened time that we're talking about and what we're going to do with it. It should be a really amazing thing. It should be a really cool thing, right? I tell myself a lot, when I leave this planet, if I can leave this earth a better place, if I can have planted the seeds where our children are not are now safe, where the earth is safe, where the water is safe. Okay, then I did a good job. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I'm a little speechless. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so where can we find you? Do you have a website? Do you have contact information? Where can our listeners get a hold of you? Oh, for sure. Uh, womenstruehealing.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Women's True Healing. You can find me on Facebook, Women's True Healing. You can email at womenstruehealing at gmail.com. Uh, you can call for appointments, 310-514-6009. I'm in Redondo Beach, North Redondo, uh, 2512 Artesia Boulevard, Suite 110, Redondo Beach, California, 90278. The South Bay is the land of malls. <laughs> so I'm very close to the South Bay Galleria Mall. So <laughs> if anyone used to roll out here when they were kids, that's where I'm at. Very cool. Beautiful. Thank you so much for spending time with us and helping us share your message and helping us uh, spread love and light to the world. Really appreciate you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you both of you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. This has been amazing. Thank you for coming out. It was great. Thank you. Much love. Thank you for tuning in to The Way of Healing. We hope that you find yourself inspired. If you enjoyed our show, a gift is to let others know. And we want to hear from you. Please share your feedback so we know how our work is resonating. Make us aware of modalities and practitioners whom we may not know. If you haven't already, please subscribe at thewayofhealingpodcast.com. Our email is thewayofhealingpodcast at gmail.com and find us at facebook.com forward slash thewayofhealing. Remember, A rising tide lifts all boats.